Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. This is the Total Basis Podcast. I'm your host, Felipe, not in jail. And with me, as always, is Sean Flannery. Sean, how are you doing this morning? I am good. I am also not in jail. All right. Also not in jail is Austin Spiro. Austin, how are you doing this morning? I think if I was in jail, something would be horribly, horribly wrong because you would never find me in a jail cell. Uh, <laughs> never say never, man. <laughs> never say never. Uh, I'm, I'm doing all right. Um, I have the baseball bug. Uh, I've gone and seen a couple baseball games. Nice. I'm going to go see another one today. Um, and now, you know, it, it never fails. The, the first game I go and see after that, I want to go see more and more and more. Like, I want to go see three a week. If I could, I'd, I'd go – every other day and see a baseball game so yeah um by the way happy birthday oh thanks thanks i almost <laughs> forgot I, i've been uh i almost forgot that was my birthday and not because i'm humble bragging but it's because uh this whole time i, I, I don't know if you guys know that uh our, our guy doug was in town was in chicago this past week so uh i i ended up being like uh not his tour guy because we didn't do anything too special uh well i mean we did but we didn't it's not like i took him you were on wrigley field but literally yeah uh (laughs) all three of us uh and then jonathan was also there all three of us were like when we were told to get into the dugout we were like are we allowed to go into the dugout should we (laughs) bought do we dare go into the dugout? we we did hesitate there was like a a slight hesitation with the three of us but i've been in dugouts before i've been to the one in safeco i've been to uh to the one um back in 2008 i was there uh, in the dugout so it wouldn't be my first time but something about Wrigley Field makes it even more hollowed more uh, I don't know I don't want to use the word spiritual but it, it definitely felt like it was a, a religious experience in terms of baseball and of course as you guys were alluding to earlier yes I did touch the ivy I wasn't aware but there, that I, there, there was no hesitation about that no it's hesitation going into the dugout but the dude sees grass on a wall and just ah <laughs> yeah well it was dead at that time I was like oh I wonder I always wanted to see what that felt like if it was prickly or if it was uh you know i like i said in the other uh on the other page um and, and you're listening to us live on the baseball life facebook group by the way but we do have other several life groups including one that's secret that's only invite only and um in there i did mention hey you know what i grew up as a landscapers kid i couldn't help myself it was instinct taking over and that's when i was told hey you know that's a uh, the the guy hey listen this is a, a historical uh what do they call those um landmark artifact <laughs> historical landmark yes <laughs> it's a historical landmark you're not supposed to touch it endangered and, species uh, of grass oh, oh so i put my hands up like an outfielder <laughs> oh oh ground rule ground rule I'm, i didn't know <laughs> but yeah but then he tells a story about jimmy jim edmonds who played center field for the cubs for a while for a little bit and uh, uh same thing a ball went into the uh, ivy and normally, if you put your hands up, that's a ground rule double. But, you know, he, Jim Edmonds knows that the base runner was kind of lollygagging it to second base. So he yeah. literally, he started digging for the ball. And as he reached for the ball, the ball kept falling down deeper into the ivy. Now, imagine, it's easy to do it when it's when it's bare. When the walls are bare right now because of the weather, it's probably easy to snatch the ball. You might get a scratch here or there. But when it's, like, thick and full of shrubbery, Oh, good luck to you. You're not getting to that ball. <laughs> and the ball just kept hiding and hiding and hiding. And I was like, at one point, he's just grabbing it and just starts shaking. The, the, I, and, and I think someone's like, hey, how come he wasn't yelled at for the uh, historical landmark? Because uh, he was a major league baseball player. I don't care. He's ruining my historical landmark. That my pet tax paying dollars, apparently. <laughs> tax maintained the Ivy. 
the team Ivy. So yeah, and then uh, what they and told it was story. dead. So you know how yeah. how well it's maintained. <laughs> well, it, di- well, it dies every year. <laughs> it dies every year, and then it re re uh, groups. But now, it, but then he tells a story about Rizzo just messing around one day uh, in right field, I guess. And then he digs deep, and he notices something very peculiar. He grabs. It's a baseball, but it's not one of those new baseballs. It's one of those old, <gasps> old ass baseballs. And they took it to a lab, and it turns out that the baseball was from like the early 1940s. Yeah, I remember reading about that. Honestly, I, I do. Yeah. That was probably yeah, about six, seven years ago, maybe. I I vaguely remember hearing about that. Yeah, I kind I guess I fell asleep on that story because that, that. I mean, that's how dig. That's how deep those. Uh, I mean, I know Sean was mentioning earthworms before we started the show, but that's how deep that ivy goes. The ivy goes really deep. It, it just layers upon layers. So that's why I was I always wanted to touch it. And, and I also remember that there was this one outfielder for the San Diego Padres who was, you know, trying to catch a fly ball towards uh, hit towards him. And I guess he forgot that the ivy is not a cushion and he just bam right into the wall. And I, I don't think we ever heard from that guy ever again. And I, I, <laughs> I think his last name was Jimenez. I mean, it's an it's an old ass game. Oh. And, and that was the end of him <laughs> probably and so that's why i was kind of curious i wanted to touch the wall i wanted to touch the uh, ivy and yeah it, it's the ivy's hard the brick wall is hard but you know when it when it's in bloom the whole wrigley field is just green everywhere just green 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 grass green walls green scoreboards just green everything it's just it breeds with you, man. It's a really beautiful site. If you've never done the tour, even if you're in mm-hmm. Chicago, just go do the tour. The, the tour is fun. Uh, when we went there, the tour was very enjoyable. Well, I didn't know you were there. Yeah. Uh, way back when I was in high school and my uh-huh. dad was being the obnoxious Mets fan uh, in the back. And he was like, uh, he said something about uh, all the pennants that the Cubs had waving around. And, you know, well, no, but it's more than they have like pennants for non like division or world series wins. And this was before they won the world series, but they had like the two actual division pennants. And then they had like a pennant for a former owner or a pennant for this. And there were like 20 something of them. And my dad nudges the tour guide, one of them. And he goes, I think the Yankees have more than in just world series pennants than you guys have total. And I was like, (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) He did the same thing during the Dallas Cowboys tour too. Uh, that, 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 I, that I honestly thought I was going to die. <laughs> what was that? Guys, and did you guys hear last week, Nico Horner and the, and the Ivy found that, found that outfielder that crashed into the Ivy. Oh, wow. Yeah. But what's Nico Horner doing in the outfield? He doesn't hit the ball over there. I don't know. What's <laughs> Anthony Rizzo doing in the outfield? Uh, well, Anthony Rizzo does whatever he wants, man. He's <laughs> World Series champion over there. Gabagoo, uh, I go to the Ivy when I want to. <laughs> oh, because he's Italian. <laughs> no, because <laughs> yes. All right, that's oh. what I thought. No, the first but, uh, word you <laughs> thought was "gabagool." <laughs> but no, it, it's a pretty. Like I said, do it. But yeah, Doug was uh, here, so I kind of forgot it was my birthday because I was uh, running. Because I don't live in Chicago. I mean, I do in Chicago land, <laughs> but I'm all the way in the suburbs. All the way in the suburbs. I'm not. I'm not. I don't even live close to O'Hare, which is also in the suburbs. O'Hare Airport. That being, yeah. so I'm literally driving uh, to. Uh, the very heart and internal organs, the guts of the city, which is downtown area, and then Wrigleyville the next day. So, yeah, just rushing from the suburbs and with the baby until too. So I, usually my wife helps me when we do these trips, but I was on my own this week. So it's been pretty hectic. So, uh, yeah, so that's why I kind of forgot that it was my birthday because, uh, you know, 
I don't know. I feel like it. I don't know. I feel like there's too much stress in my life for it to be my birthday to for me to enjoy it because I'm more of a homebody. I'm a busybody. That's why this podcast was created just so I can have something to do and hang out with people uh, online. And then to get me out of this element and get me to go outside was kind of different. But I enjoyed it, man. It was great to see Jet. Great to see uh, uh, Brad. Brad came over from Milwaukee. Jet came from Wisconsin as well. Dropped up, gave us some cheese. I was about to say, did he bring cheese? Oh, he always brings cheese. Yeah, I'll, I'll... <laughs> he always brings. Robert, yeah, Robert is what Robert was there as well. Robert yep. the Reverend was there as well. So that was pretty cool to see him again. I haven't seen that guy in more than ten years. So because uh, we used to work together, so that was cool to see. So yeah, it's been a pretty eventful week for me. Anyway, uh, we are here to talk about uh, baseball. Before I, I mean, we were talking baseball, right? Wrigley Field yeah. is a baseball <laughs> park, so it's so still a baseball show. Uh, but let's get you know what? Let's get this one out of the way. Uh, Trevor Bauer. He's suspended. You guys mentioned it, that he went from uh, he's still owning fifty percent of CBS. By the way, this is the we're gonna talk about uh, under the radar pitchers or basically pitchers uh, who have an ownership rate of less than sixty percent over at CBSSports.com. But Trevor Bauer still owning fifty percent of, of, of baseball leagues over at CBS Sports. Uh, it was a big uh, a big stink about it in the Total Basis Podcast League where guys were, "Hey, you're gonna drop him, right? You're gonna drop him. You gotta drop him now. Drop him." I'm like, no, I'm gonna wait. I'm going to wait and see what the appeal says. Cause you never know, right, Sean, you never know when that two year suspension becomes, I don't know, a, a two month suspension, uh, you know, optimist. Right. And, and, and um, honestly, anytime someone tells me, Oh, you're going to drop that guy. Right. Like, no, just don't tell me how to run my team. And I won't tell you how to run your team. Right. Unless you <laughs> I listen almost, to the show. I almost want to, I almost say no, just because they want to. Exactly. Like, I was, that, that, I was I would going to, but now I'm not. Because yeah. Now I'm not. <laughs> He's I was going to say, <laughs> I, I was gonna say, unless you're listening to the show, then then you you do it you do it because we told you to do it. So. Uh, but uh, but no, it, it it's uh, it's like I told the guys, it's like there's really nobody there that's better than Trevor Bauer on waivers right now, really. So no. you might I might as well wait. I, I know Sean, you had him in the baseball life league, but you just told me you didn't wait. Uh, yeah, he he was dropped on Monday. I was a little worried about hitting, or actually, it might have been before this last weekend. Um, <laughs> series I, I was a little concerned about like getting pitchers out there and i'm trying to win strikeouts and stuff like that every week and i i just i kind of picked up somebody that was hot i think it was black blackburn so uh one of those i'll just get the guy that can help me now which patrick blackburn we're not going to talk about because he's paul. owning 64 percent of leagues it's not patrick it's paul so, did I say patrick oh, you said patrick said, okay. that's, well, paul, that's patrick paul sandoval uh, patrick sandoval well Paul Blackburn owned in 64% of the league. So he just misses the cutoff right there. But there are other pitches to talk about. But let's start with the relief pitchers. There's two of them that I want to uh, shed a light on because uh, they are taking over. They're, they're getting saves like uh, like we never thought they would get saves. And that's two guys, Danny Jimenez from the Oakland Athletics and Jorge Lopez of the Baltimore Orioles. Two, it's the A's and the O's, two teams that are seemingly are going nowhere. Although I think the A's are still... They're they're in contention right now. They have a winning record right now. What the hell? I'm telling you, the A's just do the craziest shit, and it's either they end up a competitive team or they're one of the worst. But then the very next year they win the division. Like I I feel like there's those are the two choices. Yeah, they're 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 trying to do what the Rays are trying to do, which are the Rays are trying to do what the A's have been doing. But it's (laughs) at this point the Rays are doing it better than the A's. Oh oh yeah, (laughs) definitely 100. percent but then the A's are like, hey, remember, we're the godparents of the uh, money ball thing. So at this point, the Athletics are 10 and 11. So they're in fourth place, but they do have 10 wins, which is better than the White Sox, 
the Guardians, the Royals, the Tigers, the Bears, oh my, the Rangers, the Orioles we just mentioned, and the Red Sox. The A's have more wins than all those teams I just mentioned. So that should tell you all you need to know uh, about this wacky season so far. Excuse me. So Danny Jimenez, let's start with him. Danny Jimenez uh, having a pretty good season so far, according to the Fangrass machine I got in front of me. Four saves. Uh, strikeout rate is not at that as high as I thought it could be, but still a, a respectable 23.7%. Uh, does a good job of controlling his walks. Uh, doesn't give up a lot of walks. And throws it at a 93.8 four-seam fastball there, Sean. Anything else you want to tell me about Danny Jimenez? I would not go out there and spend a bunch of fab money or anything on Danny Jimenez. Uh, he's still just filling in for Lou Trevino. Lou Trevino is still alive. He's just on the COVID IL. They had a little, they had that outbreak that started about a week and a half ago. And a couple of people have come off it already. A couple of people are still on it. Lou Trevino is one of those. Jimenez to me just feels more like one of those bullpen filler guys. If I had to pick somebody that in that Oakland bullpen that would take over for Trevino, if he's traded, it's not even Danny Jimenez. It's AJ puck who just had a scoreless four strikeout outing. Uh, I think yesterday or two days ago, and he has a little bit more of the prospect pedigree strikeout stuff that you would like to see in a fantasy reliever. All right. Well, here's the latest on Luke Trevino. Trevino will begin a rehab assignment at single a Stockton on Sunday. This is uh, 21 hours ago, by the way, the right-hander has been on the COVID-19 injury list since April 18th, but he'll now return to game action with the athletics minor league affiliates manager, Mark Kotze, Mark Kotze. Look at that. Ooh. I forgot all about him. Is, wait, is he with the old? Is he? Uh, yeah, he's Oakland's. Yeah, he's the. Uh, wow. He took over for Bob Melvin. Uh, Kotze That's was, I think, right. already in their dugout. Uh, yeah. I, he wasn't a bench coach, something like that. It was like an assistant of some sort. Wow. I missed that. I missed the memo on that one. That's good for him, man. He's yep. a, you talk about baseball lifer right there. Uh, Mark Kotze said Saturday the Tribunal will be evaluated on a game by game basis to determine when he'll be cleared to rejoin the Major League Club. And as of right now, he is expected to be out until at least May 6th, which would put us, what, till Saturday? So I would say that if you have Danny Jimenez or you pick them up thinking that, oh, man, he must be getting all the saves, I would suggest you go ahead and just start him right now, especially if you're in a weekly league. You're at least guaranteed some save opportunities uh, in the first half of the uh, in the first half of the uh, of the week, this upcoming week. And then what ha- we'll see what happens on May 6th. But I know I, the A's, uh, they, they, that's a weirdly built team. But for some reason, it looks like they're going to trust Danny Jimenez to be the uh, the main closer for now. Uh, what about you, Austin? Not Danny Jimenez, but the other guy, uh, Jorge Lopez, who that's the guy. Oh, the, the claim of fame for Jorge Lopez for me is uh, when he was with the Royals, he uh, started hitting every Astros player known to man in a spring training game. And he was like everybody's favorite player for a little bit. But uh, what do you think about Jorge Lopez of the Baltimore Orioles there, Austin? So when you look at it, it looks like Jorge Lopez is overplaying or he's overperforming a little bit right now. Um, he's His K per nine is higher um, than his normal career, obviously. I mean, he's only played in, what, 10 games. But that's still a third of his 2021 season. He played uh, – he pitched in 33 games and actually started 25 of those in the 2021 season. Um, he had a uh, K point uh, K per nine of 8.28. Now as a reliever in 2022, he has an 11.12 K per nine. So, you know, the fact that he's a converted starter and it, it looks like he may be going into the bullpen or even the closing role uh, may help him in terms of getting his strikeout numbers up. Uh, what I'm noticing here is he has the same walk rate. His strikeout rate is up and – um 
But the thing is, his K percentage right now is up about 10%. So I have a feeling he's not going to get as much strikeouts um, as it, as the season goes on. I think those will drop a little bit. Um, and the other thing that I, I am kind of wary of when it comes to Jorge Lopez is he's an Oriole. He's in Camden Yards. Um, so, you know, any pitcher in Camden Yards, I'm a little wary of, even when John Means was, 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 somebody was somebody to be fantasy relevant Mm -hmm. i was still kind of wary of him because he's he's an oriole he's in camden yard so but he's racking up saves right now and on top of that the orioles are they don't they don't have they're not like the a's they don't have a winning record uh so how many save opportunities is he really going to get down the stretch so i'm i think out of the two of them right now i would go with uh, Danny Jimenez over Jorge Lopez, but if you have Jorge Lopez, might as well ride the hot streak while while you got him. And I, that's that's to be seen with with the uh, former relief pitchers who are now. Con- I'm sorry, <laughs> for former former, for former starting pitchers who are converted to relief pitchers, their strikeouts will go up just because. Just they don't have to uh, pace themselves. They don't have to uh, uh, throw multiple pitches. They're actually encouraged to throw just maybe one or two pitches per outing. And they only see a lineup once, and that's it. So, well, you uh, see, that's the thing that I kind of like about Jorge Lopez this year is, like you said, usually those converted starters they ditch two pitches, and they either will throw like the fastball slider, fastball curveball, and then they'll occasionally throw a changeup. Jorge Lopez doesn't do that. He's kept the entire arsenal, much like Seth Lugo kept the entire arsenal when he went to relief. And the biggest change, and why I believe in Jorge Lopez. Now I didn't at the very beginning of the year, he was an SPRP eligible player in my 30 team league and he got dropped. And I was like, wow, I'm going to pick him up. And then the first week of the season, he was terrible. I mean, (laughs) he didn't get a save. He gave up like four, like three, four runs. And I think since then he's given up one run total. And now he's averaging 98 miles an hour on his sinker. That is up from 95.3 on his sinker in 2021, the whiff rate on that pitch has doubled from last year, and he's still throwing a curveball changeup slider mix. And the secondaries, they're batting 111 against the curveball, 167 against the changeup. They're whiffing a lot on the slider, 70% whiff rate on the slider, which he's throwing 12% of the time. Big believer in Jorge Lopez this year. Anytime you can get that velo to jump like that by nearly three ticks is huge. And I'm less worried about Camden now than I used to be with the great wall of Ripken or whatever the hell they're calling that monstrosity out in left field. Um, Yeah. I I like Jorge Lopez and he's like my first mistake of the year that I'm looking at because I only had him. I think Jacob maybe dropped him and Jacob was like, you can have him dude. He's frustrating as hell Uh, because he had a good, good little run at the end last year as a reliever. And I picked him up and I was like, yeah, I got another SP eligible closer. That's awesome. And uh, I started him for a week and I was like, no, I'm not dealing with that. And now the stack team in the league has him and he's picking up saves out of a SP slot. And it's very frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's speaking of SPs, let's move on to a starting pitcher. So I'm trying to figure out how to do this, but I guess I'll just do it by uh, I have nine pitchers including Christian Javier, but I feel like we should talk about Christian Javier on his own. So let's just go with these three pitchers who have, let's make it four pitchers, right? And four pitchers who have a Sierra about 390. And that's Michael Lorenzen, Michael Waka, 
Chad Cool or Jordan Montgomery. Austin, who do you want to talk about? Just pick one player. Um, uh, let's let's talk about let's talk about Lorenzen since he's an angel. Go ahead. Uh, so Michael Lorenzen, I will admit, <clears throat> excuse me, as an angel fan, I was not too happy with the fact that um, out of all of the pitchers we had on the market, they got Michael Lorenzen. Um, however, it's very interesting watching the angels right now because they have a really good offense. They, I believe they're still leading the league in home runs, but what's really been helping them is their starting pitching. They've been, uh, they've had a great start from uh, Patrick Sandoval. They've had a great start from uh, Noah Syndergaard. Um, Otani's, Kind of rock. He had it. He had a really good start against the Astros, but sent uh, apart from that, it's been kind of shaky um, with a lot of command issues. But then Michael Lorenzen has also stepped up. So um, Michael Lorenzen right now has uh, a two and run, a two and one record in three games started with a two nine three ERA, um, fifteen and a third innings pitched. Um, so you think of it, he's averaging about five innings to start. Um, he's only allowed nine total hits and five total runs. Um, and he's walked six people with 12 strikeouts. So, I mean, he's got a 20% strikeout rate right now and a 10% walk rate. Um, I, I actually like Michael Lorenzen right now. Um, the only thing that I'm a little concerned about is his FIP is two runs higher than his Mm -hmm. ERA. Um, his FIP is at 4.2 while, or I guess it's about a, about a one run difference because he's got an ERA of 2.93 and his FIP is at a 4.2. So he's really starting to, um, oh, I'm sorry. Actually his FIP is at a 4.5, 4.55. So it, his, he's relying a lot on the defense. While, you know, Andrew Velasquez has stepped up and David, David Fletcher's place and has become a pretty good defensive replacement shortstop for Fletch, um, you know, and, and Fletcher is a good uh, defensive shortstop and second baseman as it is there. Um, you know, when it comes to pitchers that rely on the defense and, um, in order to be successful, if that defense is not on point, they're going to give up a lot of runs. Or if the if they just hit it where the ball or the, the hitters just hit it where the ball isn't or where the fielders aren't, those pitchers are going to struggle. So there may come a time where Michael Lorenzen does struggle. But I mean, he's he's on fire right now, and he's on a Angels team that's rolling right now. So you know, I I think uh, Michael Lorenzen is worth a look. Uh, Sean, over to you. Uh, since he talked about Lorenzen, you've got three pitchers uh, to pick one from the litter here. And that the list, again, is Jordan Montgomery, Chad Cool, or Michael Waka. And again, these are guys with Sierras above 390. Who do you want to talk about? You're on mute. I guess we'll go with Waka here. Um, Waka, Waka, Waka. Yeah, it, it's, it's so crazy to think that Michael Waka is only 30 years old. Uh, <laughs> it feels like he's been around for literally ever. Uh, of course he, as a Mets fan, he's not liked a whole lot because he was a part of that prior to 2020. Uh, they brought in Michael Waka and Rick Purcello to fortify the rotation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the GM at the time, Brody Van Wagenen really tried to sell it as like, oh, these are two great starting pitchers, you know, to slot in behind, um, it was, it was to replace Zach Wheeler and another starter we had lost from 2019, and he ended up winning, going out there with a 6.62 ERA, 
gave up nine home runs and only 34 innings. But I did kind of notice something with him that year. Uh, he had 37 strikeouts and 34 innings, and he's always had the great changeup. But that year, he started working on a cutter, and he only threw it, or he threw it 27% of the time then. He's throwing a little bit less now, and it seems that the it's gotten people off of his fastball. And the changeup is still good, and you know, it's always been good. But the fastball, despite only averaging 93, do I think Michael Walker keeps it up? Probably not. Every a lot of his metrics, he's getting hit hard. Um, he's he's not getting as much chase rate, you know, to chase on the the cutter and the changeup. But uh, I, I think it's anytime you have someone with a caliber of a pitch like Michael Walker's changeup, there's someone to keep an eye on because it makes all of their, the rest of their repertoire play up. And Michael, like we said, Michael Walker is only 30 years old. We we think of him like he's some sort of dinosaur. But, you know, here he is. Tampa Tampa couldn't fix him either. Boston's using him this year, and he's off to a nice little hot start. So we'll keep him with that. But he's kind of also in the same boat as Michael Lorenzen. Huge gap between ERA and FIP. Uh, over two-run difference from 177 to 398. Um, a super crazy low, just like Lorenzen as well. Lorenzen had like a 179 BABIP. Uh, against M- Michael Walker has a 154 BABIP against right now, and his expected batting average against this year is just had it pulled up, and it's gone away on me. But it's definitely much much higher than the 154 BABIP right now. So interesting. Ride the hot streak. His expected batting average right now is 220. They're actually batting 143 against him. So definitely a good bit of luck built in there with Michael Waka. All right. And uh, again, Jordan Montgomery and Chad Cooler, the other two guys. Jordan Montgomery's uh he'll get two starts this week. Uh one of them is against the Yankee, uh the Blue Jays. And I already forgot what the other one was supposed to be. Let me see if I can look it up really quick. Uh, Jordan Montgomery. Oh, there he is. Oh, against Ross Stripling. And then the next one is against the Rangers at home versus Taylor Hearn. So, uh, yeah, gotta. So, yeah, uh, if you're desperate for two start pitchers in the upcoming week, Jordan Montgomery might be the guy to get this upcoming week. All right. So that's that. Then we move on to let's see. We got one, two, three, four, five. Uh, sorry, four. We got four pitchers. Um, we might be able to tackle all of them, but let's start with, um, Let's start with uh, Bruce Zimmerman, since we were talking about the Orioles. Uh, Sean, what can you tell me about Bruce Zimmerman? Literally nothing. I just know he's off to a hot start. I have not looked at Zimmerman at all. Uh, he was available in a couple of leagues. Um, I want to say he's another guy. Velocity is up in that Oakland team. Uh, can, Orioles. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What team did I say? <laughs> just team. Oakland. Oh, Oakland. Patrick, Oakland. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick not- <laughs> Blackburn. Paul Blackburn. <laughs> uh, no. So, yeah, the velocity is only still at 90. Uh, he looks like a, he's the kitchen sink guy, change up slider curve. Um, <laughs> they're batting 556 against his 90 mile an hour fastball, but 182 against the change up. And hitters have not recorded one hit against his slider or curveball, which he's combined to throw 30% of the time. Not one hit. Okay. Wow. Um, so go pick him up or I mean I don't know. I mean, it, he looks like a batting practice fastball. Yeah. Um, but the slider and curveball are kind of insane. 
Uh, I don't know what to think about that. Normally, I would run the other way just because unless he starts throwing that slider or curveball as his primary pitch, then uh, I'm not going to go after somebody like that. It's so weird because of other because I got all nine. Like I said, I got a list of nine players in front of me and I have them all like sorted by Sierra. And Bruce Zimmerman has the highest strikeout rate of all those pitchers that we've just been talking about here. Uh, and also has uh, has hitters chasing his pitches away from the strike zone and gives up the least amount of contact outside the strike zone as well. But he also has a 45% zone rate, which is the pitches he throws inside the strike zone. It's, it's a very weird it's a very weird uh, profile that I'm seeing here, but it seems to be working. The fact that he has more strikeout, a higher strikeout rate than a guy like Chris Paddock, with a, who has a very high uh, pedigree in terms of being a prospect, a higher one than Michael Lorenzen, who's a converted uh, relief pitcher, now a starting pitcher, so the opposite of Jorge Lopez. And I don't know, man. It's, it's the weirdest thing. And again, he's an Orioles player, so it's hard to trust those guys, but... It is just the damnedest thing that you, it, you can't it, argue with the numbers right now. It's a near exactly almost to the decimal point. His ERA is 0.93 expected ERA 3.92. So nearly exactly three runs higher between ERA and expected ERA for Bruce Zimmerman. That slider's a hell of a pitch, but he's only throwing it 50, 15% of the time has a 65% whiff rate. No hits allowed, but Unless he just goes to that as like a main pitch, I'm, I'm out on Zimmerman. Sell high. Well, so not, high. well, not only that, when you look at his baseball savant sliders, I mean, it is a really weird, it is really weird profile to look at. His K uh. percentage is in the 68th percentile. His chase rate is in the 83rd percentile, but he gets hit hard. I mean, really hard because he's in the bottom 8% um, in the league in average exit velocity, which is at a 92.4. Yep. right now so he's when he gets hit he gets hit hard but right now they're just not hitting it but i would not pick him up because sooner or later the hitters are going to figure it out and they're going to hit him and when they're going to hit him they're going to hit him hard so i i would not pick up zimmerman in my opinion so. yeah that is a concern there uh the other thing so that's one pitcher down uh who did you austin i haven't heard from you in a bit who did you want to talk about now that list once again is Hold on, I'm just trying to do a little bit of a restructuring here. Here, oh, here we go. Uh, Chris Paddock, Dylan Bundy, or Daniel Lynch? Um, let's do Chris Paddock. Um, yeah. so I gotta now I gotta switch around mine and pull up my stuff. Uh, Chris Paddock, oh, is on the twins now. I thought, why, why did I think he was on the Padres still? Yeah, uh, there was a late season uh spring training trade between yep. the Padres. Um, Emilio Pagan is also with the twins now, and Taylor Rogers is with the Padres. And some hitter, I forgot the hitter's name, but I'm sure it's a bench piece. Um, what I uh, what I think is interesting now that I'm looking at Chris Paddock is um, 14 and two thirds innings. He has uh, what seven or almost an 8K per nine. Um, he's got a 3.68 ERA, which is actually higher than his expected ERA. His expected ERA is a 2.15. His FIP is that a one six nine. So what that's telling me is his defense is actually hurting him behind, um, behind him there. Um, so his, his, his struggles, I guess you want to call it uh, right now, according to the stats are not his fault. Um, so, 
you know, that could very well uh, write itself. I would, I would be more confident in picking up Paddock in terms of those numbers than I, than I would be uh, Bruce Zimmerman. Um, his average exit velocity is way better. He get, he doesn't get hit as hard. Um, he's in the 66th percentile. Um, and all of his, most of his sliders are in the red. The only sliders that are not in the red are uh, strikeout percentage and fastball percentage, but he's in the 86th percentile in chase rate, 61st percentile in whiff, um, 77th percentile in barrel percentage and 96th percentile in walk percentage. So he's not going to walk anybody. They got to hit him and they don't hit him very hard. Um, compared to, uh, Bruce Zimmerman there, his, his average exit velocity is 87.4 about what five miles an hour slower than uh, coming off the bat. Um, so I think if you are going to have, if you would have to choose between Bruce Zimmerman or Chris Paddock, by far, I would go with Chris Paddock and they're going to relay on, uh, they're going to rely on him a little more now that Bailey Ober is down. Um, so, you know, Bailey Ober is, he is, he's still starting, right? Yeah, he no, was, he's on the IL. Well, yeah, he's, he's on the IL, but yeah, he no, was Chris starting. Paddock. Uh, Paddock is starting. Yeah, he's, yeah. Paddock uh, is starting. So they're going to rely on him a little more now um, to uh, even go. I think uh, a couple more innings now that they're down a starting pitcher because yeah. you know when when you go down a starting pitcher that that's more of a strain on the on the on the bullpen for whoever that replacement is. So they're uh, the all the other starting pitchers are going to have to step up and pitch more innings. So. You know, I think I think the defense will right itself, and I think you'll see the numbers start to sway back down for Chris Paddock um, with these trends that he's having in terms of his pitching alone. Um, so I would I would look at Chris Paddock way earlier than I look at Bruce Zimmerman. Yeah. And uh, from one Twins player to another, Dylan Bundy's on this list. Uh, you know, the Twins are are having a heck of a, a year so far. Let's see, where were they again? I think they're. Uh, I mean, they just have a lot of good pitchers on that team, and it's just I don't know. Okay, so they're twelve and nine right now, uh, which that's how I pictured them to be last year, not this year. <laughs> this is uh, Sean's pick to click for the AL Central, but I think pitching and, and the fact that Byron Buxton is healthy for once yeah. is uh, leading the way. But what can you tell me about Dylan Bundy? Uh, we've seen this before from him, where he uh, gives you some good starts uh, and, and puts together a good season. With he did it before with the Angels. And then imploded the next year, but now he's with the Twins. Is this a good sign that Dylan Bundy is off to a really good start and perhaps maybe even go all the way with this throughout the year? I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> That's it, 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 I mean, it's like the fastballs batting practice, and I, I just said it with Bruce Zimmerman. It, Dylan Bundy's four seam fastballs even slower. It's averaging eighty nine miles an hour. I mean, yeah. we're, we're we're getting closer to the approaching Jamie Moyer territory here. Yeah, the Kyle uh, Hendricks of the world. Yeah, next thing you know, you're going to ask me about Kyle Hendricks, and I'm going to have to use BP fastball again. Uh, but what a, what, not- Hold on. What a difference a year makes. Last year, everybody was giving me so much shit for not picking up Kyle Hendricks early in last year's baseball life trap. Now this year, oh, he's just, <laughs> he, he's just a batting practice pitcher. Like, oh, it's like I've been seeing that all along about Kyle well, Hendricks. I, I would trust Kyle Hendricks over the Dylan Bundys and Bruce Zimmerman's of the world. No, I'll say sure, that. For sure, for sure. But, in you know, the, the slider is back to being kind of good. The fastball still kind of bad with Dylan Bundy. Everything is meh. Dylan Bundy is meh. And that's – but at the same time, like their rotation, like you were talking about, it's like there's not one standout. 
I mean, Joe Ryan's off to a, a really a great start to his young career. There's Bailey over there. Bailey over and is a guy and Chris Paddock's a guy that really are like in, and typical to what teams do now. They're very good command guys with fastballs that are play above their velos. But Dylan Bundy is just he's Dylan Bundy. Like <laughs> he had the one year in 2020, had everybody fooled that he was actually good. Uh-huh. And then he was just Dylan Bundy again. Well, the, well is a, the same Dylan Bundy that scored five touchdowns in one game. Yeah, that Dylan Bundy. That Paul Kai, right? <laughs> go, go ahead, Austin. What are you going to say? Here's the, here's the other problem with Dylan Bundy. Not only is his batting, and not only is his fastball a batting practice fastball, when you look at his arsenal, he's leaving it in the middle of the plate. I mean, when, when you look at what zone he's throwing it in, I mean, it is he is lighting up the middle of the plate with that batting practice fastball. Well, so, so is Chris Paddock, though. He Chris Paddock on this list is the highest guy. Of, uh, he has his highest zone rate of anybody here. And you were just marveling at Chris Paddock, but you're going to trash well, Dylan Bundy well, for the, almost doing the same thing. The thing with Bundy is, you know, we're all looking at, or at least I know uh, Austin and I are, but that fastball with, especially with where he pairs his slider up that four seam fastball and sinker, he runs into right-handers mm-hmm. and coming out of the hand, the release points are pretty similar. He does a good job of mirroring that. And that slider, you either have to think in and try and get in front of that fastball sinker. That's right in on your hands at the, on the black part of the zone. And, or it just breaks away. Because the slider he's doing, he's always done that with his slider. It's, it's a good pitch that he can get whiffs on as well as throw it for a strike, which is very hard to do. And I give credit for Bundy kind of learning how to do that. Well, so, and here's ahead. the other, here's the other thing with Chris Paddock though. Yes, Chris Paddock's uh, uh, Chris Paddock's ball is or fastball is kind of in the middle of the plate, but he's throwing it high in the zone. His curveball is changeup. Uh, his curveball and his changeup, which he uses. Um, which he uses as well. He's throwing that low in the zone. So he's got that curveball and that changeup trying to throw it in the dirt for that batter to for that batter to chase it and then he throws that fastball high. So that fast that high fastball is going to look 2 to 3 miles an hour faster now that it's high in the zone and they just had to fish for a curveball or a changeup in the dirt, right? Whereas um whereas Dylan Bundy, Dylan Bundy is throwing that four seam I'm not kidding, like right in the middle of the plate. <laughs> I mean, he's throwing it in the middle of the plate, in the middle of the zone, not high, not low. The slider is in the same spot. He's throwing it in. The changeup, he's throwing it like low or middle of the plate, kind of outside. And that sinker he's throwing outside. All of his pitches are are kind of in the same area, whereas um, Chris Paddock is varying his location. He's hammering low, and then he goes high with that fastball. So he's changing that eye level, whereas Dylan Bundy is not. So I, I think that's I think that's where you're seeing the separation in performance between Chris Paddock and Dylan Bundy. Well, I mean, if we're talking that, Dylan Bundy's been off to a, a quicker start. Whether those results are indicative of future results, Bundy is off to the better record. But this is like trying this is comparing a North South guy like Paddock to an East West guy like Dylan Bundy and Dylan Bundy, like you said, yes, he has that one hot zone with the fastball right in the middle, but there's an even bigger one inside the right-handed headers and the sliders are all inside the left-handed away from right-handed batters. I think with Bundy though, it's an interesting thing that when he does throw the fastball down the middle, it's often either right before or right after he throws a slider that breaks out of the zone. And so they start in the same spot 
and even when he was had that great season in LA, hitters did not look comfortable against that 90 mile an hour fastball because they were waiting on the slider. So and I'm, I, I like Paddock more than Bundy. I'm playing devil's advocate here, but I'm not going to say a North South guy is automatically better than a pitcher that works East West. I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm not saying yeah. that either, but what I'm saying is it's much with Paddock. It's much more of a, it's much more of a start difference. You see that he is throwing that fastball high and the rest of it is low. Whereas Bundy, it looks more like he's throwing it all in the same spot it, it, or, or it all lands kind of in the same zone. Yeah. He's got hot spots in different places, um, you know, in some different places, but a lot of that stuff or a lot of his pitches look like they land in kind of the same area of the strike zone. Kind of curious here. <clears throat> I noticed that Chris Paddock and Dylan Bundy have done a really good job of controlling their walks. And, and you know, I remember just kind of offhanded remark in the offseason. I did say, hey, you know, Dylan Bundy might be a thing in Minnesota. And everybody was, no, it's Dylan Bundy. He sucks. No, nah, man, you never know. That might whole be something. Min- the Go whole ahead. Minnesota rotation uh, is kind of like how we talked about Seattle the last few years of these prospects that they signed and drafted with plus command. You look at the Minnesota rotation. These are all guys that were elite command artists in the minor leagues. Joe Ryan never walked anyone. Lots of strikeouts. Bailey over never walked anyone. Good amount of strikeouts. Paddock never walked anyone. Good amount of yeah. strikeouts. Uh, so they definitely have a type. And, oh yeah, uh, and so it's, cheap, it's cheaper that way. Yeah, it, and they did it very subtly because these weren't guys <laughs> they drafted and were huge prospects. Bailey Over was not a huge prospect, but I remember looking at his numbers in the minors and I was like, "Why the hell does nobody talk about this guy?" Hey, hold He's on like, now, Bailey Over is pretty huge, isn't he? Like six nine or something. <laughs> I was about to make a six nine joke too. <laughs> on the regular, <laughs> yeah, he beat the me rainbow too. colored hair, <laughs> tattoos on his face, uh, he snitches on everybody. Who's he? Mike Fires. <laughs> Hey, Mike Fires had good command. Maybe he could fit in on this Minnesota rotation. He's in Mexico right now. Oh, God. Mexico. They're snitches get glorified over there. No, no, they don't. Oh, yeah. I was about to say. Depends on your definition of glorified. Uh, Glorified in song. (laughs) Six feet in the grave. Six, nine in the grave. Okay, so here's the twins, right? The the four-man rotation that roster resource has going. Chris Archer has a 13.6 walk rate obviously the highest on on the list there and then joe ryan at 7.2 dylan bundy at 3.6 and then chris paddock at 1.7 i mean it's just ridiculous it's ridiculous what they do over there so good for them and the last guy sean i'll give him to you daniel lynch uh big time royals prospect i think i think it was a former first rounder is he cut it what's the word i'm looking for is he uh, breaking out right now or is this just a flash in the pan kind of thing for him I'm I'm holding because uh, like you said, he is he's still young. He's 25. He was a, a first round competitive balance pick. Uh, I don't know. I, yeah. All of those Royals pitchers I, I'm gun shy on because <laughs> they were all so like anticipated. And then right. they came up and then it just it didn't work for really any of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like Lynch, they've been using Singer out of the bullpen. Yeah. But I feel like Lynch would be a good bullpen guy. Mm. I, I I don't think I necessarily want him to be a starter. I would like him in the bullpen where he can ditch everything else because the sliders the slider's pretty good. Even last year, the slider was by far his best pitch, and his yeah. fastball just kind of meh. Um, the slider isn't getting as many whiffs this year. 
but they're still not hitting it very well this year. Uh, 232 Woba against. Granted, he's getting a little lucky. 349 expected Woba against on the fastball or on his slider. But uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, the Royals pitchers, I'm I'm iffy on. Just I I don't want to get burned again. Like that's that's how I am with all their arms right now. Well, I'll give you this, man. Uh, outside the zone, of uh, the five pitches that are remaining here, including Christian Javier, we're talking about Chris Paddock, Dylan Bundy, Bruce Zimmerman, and Daniel Lynch. Of those five guys, uh, Lynch is causing the highest amount of swings outside the strike zone at 37%. Uh, also has the highest swing rate. Uh, I mean, I always look for that because it just shows that they, that they're uh, that they're forcing hitters to swing at pitches. Most likely that they don't that hitters don't want to swing at, but the command is so good that they can't help it. Okay, so let's look at the contact rate outside of, outside the strike zone contact rate, fifty seven point four percent. Again, the lowest guy on the list is Bruce Zimmerman at fifty one point nine. So the so he's not giving up a lot of contact, and the exit velocity is under ninety miles an hour. Um, and then what's the last thing I want to look at? Hard hit rate. Oh shit, never mind. The hard hit rate's at 50% according to Statcast. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, we've seen we've seen pitchers survive and be good enough and be productive with really hard high hard hit rates, but man, that might be too high. That might be way too I'm, high. I me. mean, I'm just looking at he throws the slider for a lot of strikes, and maybe this year compared to last year, you know, he had a plus 40% whiff rate on that slider. Uh, this year, it's down to below 30%. It's actually at 27, which is less than his changeup. Uh, maybe he doesn't need to throw it in the zone as much. I mean, it's impressive. Anytime I can see someone who throws their breaking ball consistently for strikes, that's good. But they also have to throw it for strikes as well as get swings and misses on it. And some pitches, they just don't have the velocity or the movement to get consistent whiffs in the zone. Maybe Daniel Lynch is that type of pitcher. Maybe he needs yeah. a little just to push it out of the zone, you know, get ahead in the count and break it out a couple of times and see if you get a swing. But uh, I think Daniel Lynch just might be like Brady Singer and he ends up in the bullpen. Oh, God. And like, I mean, because that's what I feel like is the end result for all of these Kansas City arms. Yeah, go to the the bullpen. Like it it is because they had they had a really good process, you know, a roadmap essentially to get back to competitiveness. And it really hasn't worked out yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, think about Jackson Cower. You still got Asa Lacy uh, in the minors, uh, and then what? They got the uh, Hernandez kid. I forgot his name. Yeah, Carlos Hernandez. Thank and you, he, Carlos and, Hernandez. He, and and he wasn't even like a big time pro- like prospect. He just kind of no. threw hard. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, that was my point. That, he might be the guy who came out of nowhere. He's the guy who probably throws. And the he's better than all. Team. And then he, and he's better than all of the first round picks. <sighs> that's a shame. All right. Well, one one uh, thing I think is really interesting, and I and I'm sure it's not indicative of anything with Daniel Lynch. You know, you can't be comparing these um, to comparing Daniel Lynch to some of the names that I'm mentioning here. But I thought it was interesting how mixed of a bag it it is when baseball savant has similar pitchers to Daniel Lynch based on velocity and movement. The five that they've chosen: 2022 Mackenzie Gore, 2022 Robbie Ray. 2022 Taylor Hearn, 2021 Tariq Skubal, and 2022 Patrick Sandoval. That's a hell of a mixed bag. That is wow. such a mixed bag of pitchers. I mean, 2021 Tariq Skubal wasn't that good. <laughs> Neither is 2022 Taylor Hearn. But yeah, yeah I, I think it's one of those Lynch maybe just 
I don't know. These they're all such big bodied pitchers, and I feel like they don't have the velocity that they should. Singers like that, Lynch is like that. These are all guys that are six foot five, six foot six, and they just don't throw all that hard. It is definitely the weirdest thing with them. I mean, yeah, but Daniel, I mean, we talked, Lynch, Daniel Lynch, I wouldn't call, I wouldn't classify him as a big body pitcher because he's six six and weighs two hundred pounds. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's the height, you know. It's the height. J- J- Jacob Degrom, I think, weighs 180 pounds soaking wet. I mean, <laughs> we saw what he threw was throwing. Bartolo yeah. Colon weighed like 400 pounds and was just like, "Here, here's an 86 mile an hour sinker. Here's an 85 mile an hour cutter. Uh, I'm gonna sink it again." Like it, Bartolo Colon was so fun to watch. It was stupid. Another guy that we for, that I don't want to forget about Chris Bubich as well. That was another. Oh, guy Bubich, that- yep. Saying they yeah. had high hopes for, and Brad Keller too for a while was. I know he wasn't with the same kind of pedigree, but he was also someone that they were looking forward to. For I, help. Like, I like Brad Keller, and we I remember talking about him maybe a year or two ago on the show, yeah. and we were talking about his slider. And yeah, the slider's still a really good pitch, and he's at. I think Keller's having a career year this year. He's two point one nine ERA, avoiding barrels, getting a good amount of chases. Avoiding strikeouts like uh, always. Yeah, avoid avoiding not not striking anyone out. Not striking uh, anybody out. Yeah. Hey, at uh, least he's consistent. So they they uh, uh what's his face is um roster resource changed around their uh the way they set up their their minor league system on, mm-hmm. on, on their team. So now, yeah, now I gotta like dig for each level because yeah, before it was yeah, just you yeah, gotta yeah, go I've by position. Yeah, now you gotta go by level. So yeah. we mentioned Brady Singer, Jackson Cower. Uh, let's go to Double A. Who's it? Uh, I don't know who Angel Zerpa is, but number ten prospect for the Royals. I've never heard of him. There's Asa Lacy right there, the number two prospect uh, down at the on the minors. And I thought there were more guys, but I guess not. But those are the, the so a lot of known names. Sean is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but it's uh, they haven't put in the results that that they were anticipating just to prove a no. point. I mean, it's, the the issue is not that they don't have anybody. The issue is that those people have not. Uh, lived up to expectations yeah and i mean cower easily i wouldn't mind seeing him get another shot but when he came up last year he was like bad yeah he would and i I think he could still end up being the best one of them yeah i did not realize that cower actually pitched this year um one he did he he appeared in one game went three and a third uh struck out four but he gave up oh jesus 11 hits and seven earned runs Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel bad for the Royals. Like, all of these guys, like, everyone loved the picks. They assembled all of them together. Granted, in that outing, he had a 688 BABIP, so I think he might have gotten BABIP to hell. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Did, uh, he, there was no home runs. Four strikeouts, one walks, and 11 hits with 688 BABIP. Wow. Oof. Yeah. All right, last guy on the list is Christian Javier, uh, someone that we've been talking about, <sighs> anticipating uh, for a long time. Uh, he uh, got out to a great start as a relief pitcher, but then when you isolate the starting pitcher, I mean, it's only one game. He faced 20 batters, uh, but so far the numbers are don't look good. At least the peripherals don't look good. Everything's above five except for Sierra. Sierra's at 495. But the whip is at one a respectable 120 for now. ERA is at 360 for now. Um, but yeah, he seemed to have scaled back on the uh, on the aggressiveness out there. The outside the swing rate is at 28.3. How is it with the as a how does it look like when uh, oh it actually 
it was just as bad. I thought he had was somebody that induced swings. But I think the big thing that we talked about, Sean, is that he's a guy that has these immaculate pitches that and, and he what, what was it? He strikes out everybody that he sees he, or it doesn't give up any hits is what it was. right? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't give up any hits because we talked about his hits allowed to innings pitched for his career. And you didn't believe me that it's like way less hits than innings pitched, like not even close. And uh, but yeah, he has that invisible fastball that just, just it, it stopped throwing him crazy hard. It's 90 averaging 93.5 right around that for basically his entire career. But he gets so many swings and misses up in the zone. And it's just a stupid pitch. And yeah, he should have been starting a long time ago. Uh, well, here's a, here's the, here's where the difference is, is since I'm just noticing them right now. Uh, contact rate went up, obviously, when he became a starting pitcher. It's just one game. Yeah. But it seemed, it's worth noting. Uh, how? Let's see. I'm going back and forth between screens here. Uh, zone rate pitches that he that the hitter see inside the zone went down as it seemed like he was a little bit more uh, conservative uh, with how aggressive he was punching those pitches inside the strike zone. And lastly, the velocity went down. That's what we talked about, Austin. Former when when you're reversing roles like that, going between relief pitcher and our starting pitcher, there is a difference. So he went from having a a pretty high uh, velocity as a relief pitcher. Oh no, I'm so sorry. It's the same. Okay, I'm I'm. It's the same velocity. My bad. It's yeah, I was going to say because I I had looked at his player breakdown of that yeah. start and there wasn't much of a velo change if I remember the, correctly. The hard hit rate went down. That's a good thing, but I guess he's not throwing it as hard. Maybe. Yeah, his average going into that start was 93.5, and his start against the Rangers, he averaged 94.3, so it almost went up a full mile per hour. That's fascinating. And he had, Jesus, he had (laughs) uh, eight swings and misses on 25 swings on the four-seam fastball, so... He, he doesn't get as many swings and misses on the secondary stuff, but that four-seamer is just – it makes no sense. It really doesn't. Uh, let's see here. Uh, his next start – I just saw it. His next start's against the Seattle Mariners. He's facing uh, Chris Flexen. That's Austin, you like that matchup there? Uh, Christian Javier against Chris Flexen? Yeah, at, at home in Houston, by the way. Um, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> Uh, by the way, the, I like that one. In and the Mar- and the Mariners are, you know, they're putting it together. They have they have a decent offense now. I'm not sure if I like that or not. That that one's a toss up. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be one of those where both guys pitch for five innings and no one gets a decision. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the Astros still going with a six man rotation, so that's another uh, frustrating thing about that this whole uh, pitching scenario in 2022, where uh, yeah. Six men rotate, but the Astros, you know, they, when we talked about it, Sean, um, they, they're loaded at starting pitching, so this is probably the best way to get everybody, yeah. uh, th- their innings and their starts. And Justin Verlander getting uh, without fresh. burning any everybody out like Verlander, built built in innings controller. That's all it is, <laughs> yeah. Uh, on the on the downside, that means we get to see more Jaco Dorizzi. Well, I mean, not more, but we still get to see him, Jaco Dorizzi. <laughs> we still really- have to look at him. Gosh, how dare you, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on here. So, Chris, uh, well, I don't know, uh, Sean. You one that was only one start. Do you still like uh, Christian Javier for the rest of the season? Yeah, uh, even even is uh, even if he's uh, waiting. His I, I I wanted him to start at the beginning of the year. I mean, yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah, that's I. 
it, this was a decision that should have been made long before and just kept him in that rhythm, but whatever. All right. Move, move, yeah, move I on. think, Go ahead. I think with this, with Christian Javier, when you are a reliever and you go to starting and you go to a starting pitcher or the other way around, whenever you change your role, there's always a mental, there's always a mental adjustment that you have to make that sometimes pitchers just can't get into and uh, can't get into that mental mind frame until they have a couple starts. Um, especially since he's doing it, what, almost a quarter, you know, a, a month into the season. Now he's got to change from being a reliever to a starter when at the beginning he had to get his mind frame as a reliever. So I think it'll take an, a, a, another starter too for, for us to see the Christian Javier that um, we, that we were expecting to see. Um, but I think he'll get there. The other thing that I thought was interesting was, um, and that I like about him is it seems like his fastball is really heavy. His fastball, although, you know, and he's throwing it at about 93 and a half miles an hour, his fastball is dropping in terms of movement. It has a much more of a vertical movement than a typical average fastball um, by, it looks like nine inches there. It oh, is, wow. it, it drops quite a bit. Um, so it's a very heavy fastball, which is why he's not getting hit hard, right? And that's why yeah. if, if they hit it, they drive, they drive it into the ground. He he no he has less drop. That's he has that what that is. Yeah, that's that's higher. That's well lower than average, which is good on a four seam fastball. That's why he has posted such insanely low um, ground ball percentages. He has like a like insanely high fly ball percentage, but he also has a high home run to fly ball percentage. Uh, and batters hit one eighty five against him because it's nothing but fly balls or a swing and a miss. Uh, that's kind of how his fastball plays out. Because when I told Felipe, uh, Felipe earlier this year, uh, hitters are batting 185 against Christian Javier for his career. And he was like, no, it, it can't be that low. And I was like, yeah, yeah it's it's 185. And it's not, it's a sizable, you know, over the last two years, three years with uh, Christian Javier. And it was the same way in the Myers too. It's a really interesting fastball that de it definitely plays up, but it's, it's, you know, Saris, I think, referred to it as the invisible because it, they just they don't see it. I mean, it just comes right up at their head and they just swear. And that's kind of how they swing at it, I guess. So. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, hopefully the Astros will come to their senses and uh, drop Odorizzi from the rotation and go over the more traditional five man rotation. Who, who could they trade game. Jake Odorizzi to? Who needs pitching? Just uh, everybody. Everybody. But no, the, the Jake, Jake Odorizzi. Jake Odorizzi. Like Oakland, <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I feel like Jake Oder Jake Odorizzi would be a really good pitcher in Oakland with all that damn uh, open territory for like foul ball outs. Uh, yeah, that's actually a good point. Well, well I mean, I don't know. The yeah, Google's how reason. much Google how much Jake Odorizzi is owed. <laughs> <laughs> Oakland be like, no, nah, we can't pay for that. All right, we're wrapping things up here. Uh, but uh, let's see. Oh, man, there's a lot of pitchers here. But I don't know if I want to talk about each and every one of those guys. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, do I want to add more or less? So a lot of these guys are relief pitchers. But, yeah, not, it just depends if we believe. I mean, do we believe that Emilio Pagan is now the closer in Minnesota? Or are they going to uh, how, how many has he? 
who what is roster resources that that that's what's important here well no, they don't know because it's, it's they don't what's his, it's, it, no, it's what's his face it's uh uh what the rocco baldelli right isn't he the manager over there yeah i think he's still there and uh he's been just I mean, that's the reason why taylor rogers had to go because they couldn't justify the eight million dollars for him to just to come and save sometimes but it looks like pagan is the closer but they've also uh been good to use emil uh yoan duran They've uh, Griffin Jacks got a save the other day. I don't know who that well, guy wasn't is. Griffin Jacks is like a three inning, like a weird three inning save because he's normally a starter. Mm. Uh, so I, yeah. I remember I did see him get a save and I was like, I wonder if it was one of those like bulk relief outings. Yeah, but they did say they, that they're not going to try and make Duran a starting pitcher anymore. So I think he would be the clear cut favorite, but they also like using him in the the highest leverage role rather than just the the closer so he might not get as many saves as we would like what about in boston just yell, yell it out who's the closer in boston right now yell it out if you know it uh it's jake diekman but it needs to not or matt barnes but it needs to not be either of them well garrett whitlock and hansel robles have also uh seen him so yeah i have gotten them yeah it's not barnes yeah <laughs> poor austin he, he learned the hard <laughs> way don't trust matt barnes yeah, well, it's like matt barnes and the Mardi Gras League, and yeah, he's no longer on my team. Yeah, so Felipe with Griffin Jacks was a 46 pitch save on yeah, Thursday. So definitely, I, I would guess a three inning one there. Also, uh, Garrett Whitlock is, is in the starting rotation for the Red Sox. So that brings Hanzo Robles, Jake Diekman, and Matt Barnes listed as the closer by committee over there with Ryan who, Brazier. Who, who would have thought that Hanzo Robles was the best of all three? Surely I, not me. <laughs> I can't believe this. I, looked, I wanted I wanted the Mets to get Jake Diekman really bad, I, and now I'm glad they didn't. I thought he looked awful. Hansel Robles did last year. I thought he looked horrible, and now he's getting a second win to his career at Boston. It's baseball, man. It's weird. It's wacky. It doesn't make any sense. He's Let's had see. himself a nice, nice little career. Oh, by the way, Matt Stram also has gotten saved opportunities. Yeah, that, I, Matt Matt Strom. No, thank you. Hard pass. Man. I don't There's want to match from. There's a guy. There's a guy who was supposed to be something too, Matt Stram. And then arm injuries kind of derail. Re- uh, uh, what do you call it? Derail his career. Uh, Camilo Duval. Uh, oh wait, he's only seventy-two percent of leagues. He doesn't count. All no. right, let's go. Let's go to what I would resume. I think I'm going to go ahead and add Taiwan Walker to the list. But it's up to you. Uh, guys, to let me know who you guys want to talk about. So let me add him in, and we'll start with Austin. Austin, we got five pitchers. We only have a few minutes left together here. Uh, or I don't know, Sean, how are we doing on time over there? A uh, little over an we, hour. Oh, I know we started late, so yeah, maybe it was this like will be a, the last. It was at 15. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. so really we are a little <laughs> bit over an hour. Okay, well, well, we probably will finish up with this. We got five guys here. Uh, you got Taiwan Walker, who I just mentioned, Glenn Otto. From the Rangers, Chris Flexen. We just talked about him for a little bit, but mostly because of Christian Javier. He pitches for the Mariners. Michael Pineda for the Tigers, or Tyler Anderson for the LA Dodgers. Austin, who do you want to talk about? I like Chris Flexen. Let's talk about Chris Flexen. Sure. Um, so Chris Flexen is somebody that I I've seen quite a bit because I'm an Angels fan and he, for whatever reason, he's lights out against the Angels. Um, every time he goes up against the Angels, he pitches a seven-inning shutout, which is frustrating to no end. Um, 
But this year, let's see. This year, it looks like he's off to a pretty decent start. A 3380 RA, very similar FIP, 363 FIP, um, 15.6% uh, strikeout rate, 6.3% walk rate um, in 24 innings pitch. So he's averaging uh, six innings a start, which you are not going to see um a whole lot from these starting pitchers anymore because most of them are going to go only four or five innings so if you're in an innings pitch league um flexing might be somebody uh you want to start um the problem with that is you know when you look at his when you look at his sliders at on baseball savant it's a lot of blue it's not great um you know, average exit velocity is in the 16th percentile. Hard hit percentage is in the 20th percentile. Um, fastball velocity is in the ninth percentile. Whiff percentage is in the 31st percentile. Um, you know, K percentage is down. The only thing that is up is chase rate and um, and walk rate. So he's not going to walk anybody. He's going to get people to chase. But the problem is they're going to make contact. Um, and not only are they making contact, they're making kind of hard contact so his average exit velocity for 2022 so far is 91.6 which is up about two miles an hour from 89 and a half in 2021 and 89.6 in 2019 um he relies very heavily on a fastball and on the inside uh inside part of the plate um you have a four-seam fastball he throws at 41% of the time, and he lights up the inside of that plate there. And then a cutter, which he also um, throws to the inside of the plate there, which I don't know if I like that strategy because then he throws a changeup outside. I feel like if he decides he's going to start throwing that cutter a little more, uh, have that cutter break to the outside a little more than and then maybe throw that change up low and inside. I think he would have a better, uh, a better shot at not getting the ball hit as hard and, um, you know, maybe having a, a few more, uh, strikeouts. Um, like I said, I, I like Chris Flexen, but right now it seems like um, he's not necessarily the best option until he kind of figures himself out with that. Um, didn't you say the Mariners have a six man rotation? Um, I know. I thought you said they had a six man rotation. The Astros do. The Astros oh, do. The right? Astros do. And I, um, the Mariners usually do like to uh, use a lot of starting pitchers, though. So let me double check what roster resource says while this uh, thing goes Let's see. Roster resource has no five pitcher rotation. Ray, Gilbert, Gonzalez, Flexen, and Brash. Yeah, and uh, and Brash Brash might not last much longer. Wow. He's he's got Houston, I think, today, or for his lineup for his next start. But he's just he he can't throw strikes. And I when he made that first career start against, I think it was the White Sox, um, <laughs> or whoever he started against. Everyone was like, "Oh, look how nasty that slider is." Oh, yeah, yeah, it was it was the White Sox, and I was like, "Yeah, he hasn't thrown it for a strike once, but they're swinging and missing, so it's fun." It is and, the White Sox, though. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he has a 6.88 walks per nine. That comes out to a 17% walk percentage, uh, striking out 20.8% of batters. Uh, that is not a great ratio to have there. Uh, it's a nasty pitch. Uh, I, I saw that in the White Sox game as well, but he doesn't know how to throw it for strikes. And major league hitters are too good. They will just stop swinging at it if they know you can't throw it for a strike. Which means if Brash goes down, 
you know, we got some interesting names that they could call up that are down in AAA. So, well, speaking what, of no six- Justice Sheffield. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I was oh, about God. to mention him, too. Yeah, well, Justice <laughs> Sheffield, but if all else fails, uh, he's the uh, long relief option for the Mariners. So he with I mean, for better or for worse, he does have a starting he does have starting pitching experience. So there's that. Speaking of six-man rotations, I just want to double-check something here with the Brewers. Yep, they have a six-man rotation, and that's very frustrating as a if you own any of these Brewers pitchers, including Aaron Ashby, who pitched on Wednesday. So that usually means he should be slated for two starts the next week. Nope, he's going to <laughs> be scheduled for next Wednesday. This upcoming Wednesday, I should say, May 4th. So, no, I hate the Brewers. But you know what? <laughs> You know what, though? I hate uh, the Brewers. They're too damn good. <laughs> too damn good. Too many pitchers. But you know what? It's the thing with uh, with the Astros, right? Where does David Stearns come from? The general manager, president, whatever his title is nowadays? Yeah, uh, president of baseball. Yeah, well, he comes from the Houston Astros. Who, so it's not surprising that the, both those teams are using two-man rotations. Yeah. Uh, uh, six-man, sorry. Six-man rotations, sorry. When so did Eric Lauer start striking everybody out? Uh, yeah, I was going to talk about him. Then I realized he's owned like a 90% of leagues. So yeah, he, the last his last two starts, he has a 43% whiff rate on a 93-mile-an-hour fastball. Nobody saw it coming. I don't what, what in the world? His strikeout, his strikeout rate before this year had never gotten higher than 23.9%, and that was last year. And now it's at 36%. What? They traded away um, the right-handed version of Eric Lauer to get Eric Lauer. Uh, Zach Davies, right? Wasn't he the one who got traded to the Oh, oh, Eric Lauer makes Zach Davies – or no, okay. Zach Davies makes Eric Lauer look like Randy Johnson. Like, I I knew Eric Lauer didn't throw hard. But, like, it's – okay, so he's up to 93.9 from 92.6 and 91.5 the last few years. But it's like all of a sudden he's throwing. What? He struck out what eleven or thirteen yesterday? He struck out eleven. He struck out eleven, and then thirteen to start before that against Philly. I wonder if I wonder if it's because he's relying a little more uh, at the beginning of this season. He's relying a little more on breaking ball, or yeah, on breaking balls. His the number of pitches, the number of the in in terms of percentage, the number of forcing fastballs he has is down. So at the uh, in 2021, he threw 43.9 percent fastballs. 2020, 52 percent fastballs. 2019 looks like 52 percent. No, 53.1 percent fastballs. In 2022, he's thrown 36.2 percent of his pitches as fastballs. Um, So all of his breaking pitches, his slider, his curveball, his cutter are up. Right. And he's still not using a change up a whole lot, but he is relying a little more on breaking balls and his slider. He's throwing to the outside of the zone, whereas his fastball is in and up a little bit. Um, His curveball seems to be he's I don't think he's locating his curveball very well. It looks like it's down and it's either down and away or he's leaving it hanging in the middle of the plate. Um, the cutter seems to be he likes to throw it on the outside. So maybe he's lulling everybody to sleep on the outside and then bangs them in with the four-seam fa- uh, four fastball high high and in. Um, so it, he may be changing the way he's pitching, and, he, uh, and he's relying on those breaking balls a little bit to get deeper into counts and then, and then strike them out. He really hasn't faced any lefties so far this year. Ooh, oh, 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 yeah, no, no um, Eric Lauer. Eric Lauer? Oh, right. 
Yeah, I, I was looking to see like because he's not throwing a high percentage of any of his uh, like off-speed slider curveball to lefties, and then I just went and realized and he's only faced like a, not even a dozen. So, huh, interesting. So he's doing all of this as a lefty against primarily right-handed hitters, which I think makes the whole thing even more impressive. Uh, that's, that's a hell of a thing. All right. Uh, really quick before I beat this, I'd be kicking myself if I didn't mention the following relief pitchers before we move on to Sean's guy that we talk about. And I think we'll finish right there. Uh, let's see. Where are they? Okay. I just lost it. Here we go. Here we go. Anthony Bender getting all the save opportunities in Miami. Lucas Sims is now the lone closer for the Reds. Unfortunately, it's the Reds. And Emilio Pagan, one more time, he is the closer for the Twins. So, uh, yeah, uh, choose wisely. But I think Bender might be the guy to go here uh, of those three just because he's getting all the save opportunities and he looks a lot better than he did at the beginning of the season. So uh, that's that. Sean, your guy. Who is it? Do you need me to rename the, the yes, players? Yes, the less, please. Okay, so not including Chris Flexen anymore because we already talked about yeah. him. Tyler Anderson, Michael Pineda, Taiwan Walker, or Glenn Otto? Uh, let's do Glenn Otto. Yes. And I, I, I can dunk on myself because this is a mistake that I made in the offseason. He was a guy that once he got traded over from the Yankees in the Joey Gallo deal, I really liked. I picked him up. He made his debut last year. He had one, his, I believe it was not the debut. It was the game after his debut. Uh, he had a, a rough start, I think, the first time. No, it was his debut. He debuted against Houston last year, August 27th, went five innings, only gave up two hits, no walks, seven strikeouts against the Astros. Great offense. And I did not start him because I was like, hey, rookie making his debut against a tough team. And then I put him on the bench and then he pitched against the angels the next day, uh, went through four and two thirds, two runs. I was like, okay, that wasn't too bad. And then he got blown up by the athletics and Astros and back-to-back starts gave up 15 earned runs in a combined six and two thirds. I still held him on the roster, but I dropped him this off season due to a roster crunch guys coming off the IL and uh, Andrew, Andrew O'Sullivan, friend of the show, also in that 30-team league, picks up Glenn Otto after I drop him. And now Glenn Otto's off to a nice little hot start, and I believe he pitches today. Uh, we'll see how he does, but the velocity was up. He's always been a plus slider guy. Um, as long as he can maintain the velocity, I really do like Glenn Otto. Uh, it, it just He has to keep that fastball a little bit higher. In terms of velo, the slider, 64.5% whiffs um, on his swings this year. Um, that and command, always going to be the most important things for a young pitcher. But, uh, yeah, really like Glenn Otto. And uh, even though I was the first guy in on him in that league, I did not believe in him enough to keep him. And now yeah. I'm uh, having to take it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it was well, funny because I, I lost to Andrew O'Sullivan in – or he was one of my first matchups in the first two weeks and Glenn Otto had, you know, a great start and put up like 15 points on me. And I was like, come on. Uh. <laughs> no, Glenn Otto is a guy that uh, when Austin and I were doing our spreadsheets, that's, that's probably the only Texas Rangers pitcher I was excited about this off season. But again, it just depended on if he was going to uh, actually come out uh, out of spring training in the starting rotation. Yeah. I thought he was bullpen wasn't. fodder. 
Yeah, I, I thought he was just going to be a, like a bullpen ace, nah, but uh, nah. they just I mean, sent him yeah. to AAA. Worst case scenario, yeah, bullpen ace. But <coughs> considering what the other options were, I, I, I thought that Glenado had a really good chance of uh, of doing something, uh, taking advantage of that situation. So yep. that's a so yeah, keep an eye on him. And then who are the other guys? Uh, Michael Pineda, he sucks. Uh, <laughs> Tyler Anderson, I don't trust him right now. I wouldn't do it. Tywin and, Walker came back last night, pitched, went yeah. five innings. He's looked pretty good. Uh, he looked definitely better than even like the first half last year when he was an all-star. The velo yeah. seems to be up a little bit. He's throwing the splitter more to get those lefties off of him in the zone. Uh, and he looks like a young Bartolo Colon. He's got the little fro coming out the back of his hat now, <laughs> kind of like me, except I got the the just the long curls. But he looks like a young Bartolo or like J.R. Richard. Like that. that's the vibe I'm getting from Taiwan Walker right now. All right, then. And that is the show. I mean, I did, I, I did uh, pull up the uh, the five pitchers, the relief pitchers. But, uh, yeah, so far, Emilio Pagan, just awful Sierra. Awful everything. Awful <laughs> uh, whip. He has a whip of 1.59 so far this season. Sierra is up at 5.17. Of the five relief pitchers we talked about that are probably have an inside shot at the closers role jorge lopez danny jimenez anthony bender lucas sims and emilio pagan pagan has the highest sierra which is a skills interactive era of 5.17 oh and uh emilio pagan does and uh also has the highest barrel rate at 15.4 percent so maybe don't maybe don't go out and get uh what's his face uh gone emilio pagan yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Jimenez is a, a what do you call it? A temporary solution. Uh, Anthony Bender is still con- kind of yeah. climbing his way out of a really rough start to the beginning of the season. And Lucas Sims has a 7.7 strikeout rate so far in 2022. So that's not going to cut the mustard. here. I, I think Bender's biggest problem is he's going to be a matchup closer. I think he's just he has a lot of struggles with left handed hitters. Um, I I almost see like a platoon a closer platoon between tanner scott and anthony bender uh tanner scott finally is with a team that's giving him those chances he's looked good a couple of times and he's looked terrible a couple of times but tanner scott that's a guy that we've been waiting on for oh yeah a long time as zach Britton jr and uh we'll see how he does well so far uh this week uh he's only been doing regular relief pitching duty there's no holds there's no save opportunities so far for tanner scott this past week and, and and guess what all the save opportunities that don't go to anthony bender they go to tanner scott's former orioles teammate cole oh, Solser. oh god yeah. of course that's going to be the guy that gets the most saves for the marlins the least interesting guy is the one that gets all the saves <laughs> Like Tanner Scott's going to be over here striking up 42% of batters, which is at 41.7 now. And the Marlins are going to be like, guys, we got to get Cole Solcer some saves because you know what? They're going to trade Solcer at the, at the deadline and get a couple of prospects because that's what they always do. But oh, Tanner Scott, <laughs> Tanner Scott, Tanner Scott, I'll never get over you. No, it's uh, like I said, we've been waiting forever, and it just it, for whatever reason it doesn't work out for the guy. So I, you I mean, he's he's got him. he's got one save. Yeah, one, but he should have one, many saves. He should have many saves. Why have one save when many is better? <laughs> Why use many pitches when few pitches do trick? <laughs> and Rel- off- relief pitchers everywhere. Why use many pitches when few pitches? 
and and on that note, that is how we're going to end this show here with uh, with the office reference. Uh, <laughs> uh, Austin, any last words for the people out there? Uh, not much. Go check my other podcasts that I'm part of, uh, or that I run myself, uh, the Round Trippers podcast. I'll have another episode up here soon where I will have Melvin on as a guest. Oh. Um, yeah, so it should be an exciting, uh, exciting new episode. We're going to talk about, uh, uh, we're going to talk about is a combined no hitter an achievement. Oh, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure we will talk about, um, oh, God. I'm yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about Trevor Bauer a little bit. We'll bring it, we'll talk a little news and I'm sure since, uh, uh, Melvin is on, we'll talk a little bit about international baseball. So check that out. And, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at round underscore trippers. Just let me know when I can skip the part about the no hitters and, and go straight to the international play. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I have a question. Yes. We have gone this entire podcast. What is on your hat? It's L7 weenie. Oh, okay. And they looked like hot dog weenies, but they I have hot dog weenies. Are there glasses on one? Okay. Yeah, okay. Because it squints. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was too. wondering. I was like, what the hell? Oh, he's got the matching shirt. To I go got with the it. shirt to match. Oh, they look like crazy. penises to me. Hey. <laughs> they wieners. Hey. PG. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, any last words for the people out there? Uh, don't be an L7 weenie. We'll see you next week. Weenies. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks a lot. See ya.